Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to talk about sandboxes versus linear adventures? Oh, hell yes, I do. And talk about branching and railroads and Schrodinger Railroad structures, too. Uh, yeah. Cue music. So before we get into the show, I want to tell you about a really cool game that is on Kickstarter right now called Girl Underground. It's by Lauren McManon and Jesse Ross. It is a Powered by the Apocalypse game, which we love around here, and it is built for telling stories like Alice in Wonderland, The Wizard of Oz, or The Labyrinth. So I already backed it, (laughs) like the first day. So the cool thing about this game that's a little bit different is that all the players take turns playing as the main character or, you know, the girl, because it's kind of girl coming of age story stuff, right? But then they also all individually play their own companion characters, which would be like the Cheshire Cat or the Tin Man, those kind of people that always inevitably travel with the girl, which I love. Instead of having experience or anything like that, the girl pushes against what are called manners, which is society's expectations of her, and she turns them into beliefs, which are the things that she's learned about herself during her journey, which she can incorporate into her roles to get better results. Uh, So basically, that's amazing. Um, If you want to learn more about this, I mean, A, check it out on Kickstarter because it's live right now, and B, you can find out more at girlunderground.org, and note that is .org, not .com. And we'll have a link to this in our show notes, too, of course. And with all that out of the way, let's get right to the show. And welcome to Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I'm your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic comes from our friend GM Gerrymander, who asked us, I know you have done variants on this topic. One of the things that we've been discussing lately is sandbox versus railroad. And it was pointed out to me that most players don't really want a sandbox. They want clear goals, often more than one, but open-ended ways to get them. And I'm going to tell you that most people don't want a railroad either. But we're going to have to go make some definitions before we can get to the bottom of that. Uh This is a great topic, though. And we are going to kind of restructure it a little. Because what I think Jerry's really getting at is talking about structure and goals in a given session or campaign. Which is different than character autonomy. Mm Mm-hmm. But a lot of times gamers link these two things together. Right. So character autonomy is about how much freedom a character has to make choices in the game, which is stuff like, um, you know, do you go left or right in the dungeon passage? Do you attack the goblins or do you try to parley with them and bargain with the meat that you carried from the other room? That stuff. Exactly. Now, structures are how an adventure or campaign arc and... At this point, let me just say that for the sake of this episode, (laughs) we are not going to keep saying adventure or campaign arc. So from this point on, we're going to say we're going to say adventure. Yep. And it just means session, campaign arc, etc. Okay. Yep. Okay. Interpret as you will. Right. So structures are how an adventure are organized and how they eventually get played out, and. This is kind of where it gets messy, right? This intersection of how an adventure is structured combined with the decisions characters make, right? This is why people sometimes talk about railroads and other structures. Right. And so for us to discuss this more before we actually 
get into the meat of the topic itself, we got to do that thing that we do where we define all of the things, all of them. So we're going to talk about the different types of structures and drop me some definitions, Definition Panda, about what those structures are. We're uh, we're definitely a green panda this evening because I have recycled our definition of sandbox from our previous <laughs> from one of our previous episodes. Let's talk about sandboxes, right? Sandbox is a form of adventure where a box is created by geography or plot, and the characters are free to move about in the space, uncovering encounters as they move. And there's no prescribed plot or story; it's just what you deal with, what you encounter. Right. Versus the the kind of direct opposite, which is linear, which is a form of adventure where the story is a set of linked scenes or encounters that are following a sequenced path, meaning like it's going to go A to B, B to C, C to D, etc. All the way through. And this is and and this is the one where people people think mistake. that I mean, and in combination with some other issues, it could become a railroad. We're going to get to it. Yeah. Just a second. Right. But like okay. it is the one that people think is a railroad. Not necessarily. Correct. Branching is a type of linear adventure where at times in the story, there are choices, a.k.a. branches, where the characters can make a decision to go down one branch or another. So it could be that we get to a decision point. We get to decision point A and we can go A to B or we can go A to C. Yeah. Right. That's 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 a branching. Uh, But then once we've gone down a branch, that branch is linear until the next branching point. Right. If there is one. Right. Yeah. All right. Now get to the troublesome one. Now we get to the troublesome one. So a railroad is a type of adventure where the character agency or autonomy, as we were calling it earlier, is curtailed or subverted in a way that all of their actions lead to a predetermined encounter, action, or story. So the GM is actively steering the characters or encounters in such a way that that is how it's going to end no matter what you do. Right. But that's mm-hmm. where we talk about like box canyons and stuff like they just literally remove any actual choices that you have. Um, so this adventure is typically linear, but it's the kind of linear adventure where it just keeps steering you back onto the tracks when you deviate from it in any way. So we talk about railroad, the tracks, box canyon, etc. Like they literally just remove the options for your characters to actually make decisions. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, this is actually a secondhand but true story from Happy Jacks. And it was a, it was about a horror game set in a haunted town, right? These players arrive at night in this town. They find out that the town is, you know, utterly haunted. And one of the players is like, F this. I'm not staying in this crazy ass town. I'm hopping a train and leaving. And so, like, they get on the train and the train, like, starts to leave town and then breaks down. Right. And then they have to stay in the town. <laughs> and then they have to stay, right? And then it fog it gets super foggy so they can't drive out of the town and like now they have to stay. Right? Like that's see, that is the that is where the character agency has been curtailed, right? Like this is where the character has said, No, I don't want to stay in this town. I will take action to leave the town. But the GM has like thwarted those attempts and pushed them back onto the rails, like, oh no, you're in the town. We have the next encounter. Yeah. So in most cases, players figure it out when their actions stop mattering, right? Like no matter what they do, like in that situation, they end up back on the rails. They don't actually get any choice in the matter. Um, so that doesn't really 
People don't really enjoy that usually because it means that they don't actually have any agency to make decisions. So inevitably, some GM, as you said that, is saying, well, I've run railroads before and players have liked it. And, and the caveat is that players like railroads when they can't sense the railroad. Yes. So if you have railroaded them skillfully and they did not, and you did not have to forcefully put them on the tracks, they may be unaware. And when you are unaware of a railroad adventure, it looks like a linear adventure. Yes. Right? But when players push against the boundaries and they realize that nothing matters, that they're going down this track, is when they dislike this this structure. Yes. I do not endorse railroads. No. I like linear adventures, but I do not endorse railroads um, because I do not like the curtailing of character autonomy. Yes. Now, with that, mm -hmm. I'm about to... Yes. I'm about to be somewhat hypocritical. Yes. Um, the Schrodinger's Railroad is a more subtle kind of railroad where the adventure actually appears to be a branching adventure with decision points. But no matter which decision the player makes, the GM places the scenes and encounters that they need slash want in order to reach the predetermined story, location, or outcome. Yeah. So for example, the adventures are in a dungeon. The GM has determined that the next encounter is going to be in a temple with an evil cleric, right? So they reach a corridor, they can turn left or right. It doesn't actually matter if they turn left or right. The next thing that they will walk into is the temple. Yeah. And um, so when this, when this railroad, when the Schrodinger's Railroad is executed properly, players think that they are in a branching structured game. Yeah. Um. I don't often recommend using this, right? Like this is not a technique I, I I used to use this when I was a when I was a less experienced GM. Yeah. Um, I don't recommend this technique now, but I will say the one caveat is that sometimes in convention games, uh, when you are dealing with time constraints and having to move move a story along, the Schrodinger's Railroad uh, is an effective way to kind of. Um, get through this right like you can prep less stuff and kind of steer people into the places they need to go um you can also schrodinger's railroad only a portion of the adventure so it can go up to a certain point and then no matter which way they go uh they will reach the set piece encounter because it's the big encounter you prepped and all roads lead to the set piece encounter yeah. right yeah 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 all roads so do. not a Right, not again, not a thing I super endorse, but it has totally its a thing moments. I it it is it can be used properly and I have used it in the past and it does actually work. Right. Cool. Okay. So that that was a lot of definitions. That was yep, like 10 sure minutes was. of definitions. So we have just a little bit further to go. Stick with us. Here we go. Uh, yeah. So when it comes to goals, um, we can say that goals, that is the thing that you need to do in the adventure, like the way we know the adventure is over is we've completed the goal, right? Um, when it comes to goals, we can say that goals have the following characteristics. Goals can be clear, mm -hmm. right? The objective for the adventure is well understood by the players and the GM. Good. Uh, goals can be ambiguous. Not good. Right. <laughs> the objective is not clearly understood or communicated. Bad. Yeah. The goal is focused. Mm -hmm. There is a single thing, right? Or a small number of things you need to do to complete the adventure. Yep. Um, or it can be broad, mm -hmm. where it can either have multiple steps to complete or multiple ways that it could be achieved. Like bring peace to this region. 
Yes. Right? We That's a, <laughs> murdering everybody is a form of peace. Yeah, you've still achieved it, sure. Right. Wiping out one side, um, brokering a treaty, right? Like there are multiple ways to get peace. Yeah. Okay. It's broad. Um in all of these characteristics, the only one of those four that are bad is ambiguous. Yeah. Like there's if if you're goal for your adventure is ambiguous you've not done a good job of explaining the adventure to the players yes and in a convention game an ambiguous adventure is a is is a disaster death knell yep it is if players don't know what they're doing in the for the next four hours yeah bad it's a mess yes okay Uh, and you'll know that they don't understand because they're working uh, at cross purposes they start to freeze up they're unsure of what to do Right. All of those things are signs that the goal of this adventure is ambiguous. Yep. Okay. So if if after hearing that you think, boy, this seems vaguely familiar, it's because it (laughs) probably sounds much like our discussion from last week on situations. And that's because they're kind of related, right? A situation is a game level thing. Like, what is the thing you do in this game? The goal is, what do you do in this adventure? Right. So So it's the game level, the game level goal and the session level goal or the adventure level goal. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So bring it bring it around for us. Yeah, so we're going to come right back to Jerry's question because we just talked about a lot of things. So here's your refresher. One of the things we've been discussing lately is sandbox versus railroad and it was pointed Mm-mm. Right? We don't like railroad. No, we don't like railroad. But anyway, and it was pointed out to me that most players don't really want a sandbox. They want clear goals, often more than one, but open-ended ways to get them, which gets to the intersection of adventure goals and story structures, which is why we just defined all of that stuff, right? So we're going to talk about goals in relation to sandboxes and in relation to linear story structures. I'm going to talk about sandboxes. And I am going to start us off talking about linear structures. So when it comes to prepping linear structures, the sweet spot is like a clear focused goal with a branched structure. So the, a clear focused goal would be like what? Go to the temple, find the lost relic. Right. That's like really clear, right? It gives <laughs> the players an objective that they can actually achieve, which would be the lost relic they can obtain that right it gives the gm some structure on what the players can do to accomplish the goal which is find the relic right so like at the lost temple there's going to be multiple things they can do yep we can you know we have places to put these branch points right how do you get into the temple right do you take the underground passages or do you go through the top of the structure Mm mm-hmm once you're inside the temple, there's all sorts of rooms and encounters. Like those are branch points, right? Do you mm-hmm. go left down the hall? Do you go right down the hall? Do you go up? Do you go down, et cetera? And then ultimately, we can have our branches lead to our set piece encounter, right? The room with the relic. Right. So for a one shot, just like with a convention game, the GM has really good control over how many encounters and how many branches are in the game because that's that's basically your mechanism for controlling the timing and pacing of the game, right? Is like a million branches means it's going to take longer. <laughs> yes. So you can, and way more stuff you have to prep. Right. And like, which is also silly for like a convention game or a one shot. You want to kind of prep minimally, right? But Senda, you don't prep adventures. I don't. So. But I also run linear adventures. So now we will talk about my... I didn't quite realize it was my standard until this evening when we were chatting about this, but my standard, um, the other what I would consider optimal structure for uh, convention games and one shots, which is like an improv linear 
structure. So you have a clear focused goal and a linear structure, but you don't actually plan what the things are. <laughs> so like what's what's the the example again? Yep. So the example, go to the temple, find the lost relic. Awesome. So, but in this case, the GM is only going to come up with the questions whose answers will form a set of scenes that lead to the relic linearly. Or in my case, you come up with the questions also on the fly, but you could come up with them before you sit down. That's fine. But the thing is- I, I usually come up with them like at the table, like while they're finishing characters. Yeah. Like I will sketch, I will sketch these questions out on an index card. Yeah. I don't usually even do that i see what goes wrong because i'm usually playing in a game that will feed me some success with complications or something like that sure. that will, i'm like yes good um <laughs> and then that leads to these um linear scenes as we go progress forward right um i mean i'll have an idea of what that end goal is and that's what makes them linear right so so what are some examples of the kind of questions that you tend to write down on index cards yeah, so using the same uh, using that same temple um, example, so uh, the question might be, how do you get into the temple? Right. Uh, how do you get past the death traps? Yep. How do you figure out the cryptic message on the walls? Mm -hmm. And how do you defeat the snake priestess in the main chamber? Right. So that's right. A to B. Oh, I'm sorry. This is very, it's okay. Yep. So that's very much a, like a linear adventure where you're going A to B to C, etc. But we have the flexibility in reacting um, to how the PCs choose to solve each problem because we haven't actually planned how any of that works, which is the other reason like that I don't even come up with the questions beforehand so, because their solutions to the other thing may change the question that I'm asking, right? So can we contrast um, the branch, the branching from, the, um, from this improv one? Yeah. So if we just look at get into the temple, yes. right? If I was prepping how to get in the temple, I'm not going to write a hundred different ways to get in the temple, right? My no. branch is like, you can take the ancient underground passages, right. which have the following encounters, right. or you can climb to the top of the ziggurat and lower yourself in, which has the following encounters. Yes. And if right? I'm saying, how do you get into the temple? And I don't have anything planned. Whatever they decide to do is the next scene. <laughs> yeah. It's, and then it's just, you You then adjudicate the necessary roles right. to, if, to determine success or fail. If they decide to use the gunpowder that they found in the barrels down the mountain before they came up to explode one of the walls, there are still plenty of complications that I can logically assume from taking that action, right? Yeah, because that uh, that achieves the answer to the question, yes. right? How do they get in a temple? They blow a hole in the wall. Yep. Exactly. Make some rolls to not die and make some rolls to make sure that yeah. when you blow the hole in the temple that you didn't make the temple inherently unstable. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Awaken some creature, right. set some trap off. You know, yep. I mean, all of those things. But those are the kind of things I don't plan for in advance because if I didn't think about the fact that they could blow a hole in the wall, then I wouldn't have thought of all those cool things to plan. So I don't plan them. Right now, in a railroad, one final contrast. Yes. Contrasting point. In a railroad, there would literally be no other way to get into the temple except for exploding the wall. Yes. And you would have had to have remembered that two scenes ago, yep. there was gunpowder that you should have picked up and carried with you. Yes. And on a on a true railroad, you would struggle to get into the into this temple until somebody went back and was like, "We should get the stupid gunpowder and blow up a hole in the wall." Yeah, at which point it would suddenly work. It's like right. um, it's like the the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um the 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 what was it the the text based one the computer game yeah, yes yeah. Were brutally you like, were brutally you, hard computer like, game I never got out of the house 
because I like, but I was like, okay, I know I take the analgesic and then I like, I got like 10 steps and I couldn't figure out. I oh my God. got as far as putting the babble fish in my ear. Wow, that's pretty far. I'm impressed. But in order to put the babble fish in your ear, you have to take out your towel and cover the drain in the floor. Oh my God. Otherwise, when you push the button to get the babble fish, it comes out of the machine, hits the floor, rolls down and goes down the drain. Oh my God. That's legit. Like, anyway, that's... so when you think about railroads, think about that. <laughs> yes. So there we go. That, so, that's, so that's a nice contrasting of the prepped branch, the improv question, and the railroad solution. Right. And you can blend the good ones, right? You can mush yeah, them so together. Skip, skip the Don't railroad do the railroad one. one. Just, just blend the good ones together into what works for you. But anyway, um, moving off of linear and branching campaigns and adventures, Phil, tell us about sandboxes. Right. So sandboxes, because we've talked about this before, right? Sandboxes are really a structure that's that works best for exploration. Yeah. Right? So it works best when you have like an area of like a continent or chunk of space or um, a campus, college camp, whatever, like a, or a, f- a social network in a college campus, whatever, that it's some area you explore um, by going from one area to the next. Okay? And in this case, broad goals... Um, work really well in sandboxes. Yeah, so like the Pathfinder Kingsmaker campaign, where you basically yep. go and like colonize a new land. You're like, our goal is we will colonize this land. Right, so I, I played this campaign and you literally, like it's a hex map and it's a straight up hex crawl. Like we will take, we go to this hex and you find an outpost. Great, we go south. Okay, you find lizard men. Like, Okay, and like you just deal with each problem and each hex as it comes along. This is classic sandbox, right? And there's yes. nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It is a it is a definite form of campaign structure and story structure. Okay, so a broad goal works really well because it gives the group a purpose. Um, but the broad goal means that anything they encounter is potentially valuable or at least worth interacting with because it'll likely fall under the umbrella of their purpose. Right. Right. So let's, let's do another example to kind of, to kind of highlight that. Right. So um, throw, throw a couple goals at me. If you are doing a space hex crawl where you're exploring a sector of space for a corporation looking for potential mining rights. Uh, All right. So our focus goal would be um, that the corporation wants you to find deposits of hexonium for their starship construction. Yeah. Where the broad goal would be the corporation wants you to find like interesting mineral deposits that they could then come and mine. Right. Makes sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if we use those then in context of like a, a story, so if a group came upon a valley of aliens who have large deposits of pentonium, the focused group who's looking for hexonium might just be like, eh, this isn't what we want because this isn't their goal. They're looking for hexonium and these aliens don't have it. So wah wah. But the broad goal group will be inclined to actually stay and interact with those aliens because pentonium still meets their goal of finding cool minerals to mine, right? Exactly, right? So again, it's about um, players will play to the goal of the adventure, Yeah. right? Um having nothing to do, right? The ambiguous goal is like no one knows what to do. They just spin in circles. Yes. So if if you're playing something broad, 
in size like a sandbox and you're playing something narrow like the goal, uh, the problem becomes that you get into this needle in a haystack thing. Yeah. Where the players are looking for something super specific and they don't find it in the first hex. So they go to look in the next hex. They don't find the next hex. They look in the third hex. They don't find it. Very soon, they just start burning hexes. Yep. Right? Because they're just like, uh, we roll into the hex. Do we see any sign of the temple? Nope. Move on. Yep. Yeah, because right? like, not <laughs> worth exploring. Exactly. But if they're but if the goal is broad and far reaching, then they will feel like they're achieving their goal when they encounter nearly anything. Right. Because Again, players are goal-driven because, think carefully, adventures have reward mechanisms yep. like experience points and things like that. And so players will always play to the path of reward. So when you create a goal for your game, your players will play to it. So the danger with sandboxes is a too narrow goal. A too narrow goal will cause players to burn through the sandbox. Right. And so just wander Right. So finally, like just to give an example before we, we kind of segue out of this, um, cause I'm going to ruin my awesome segue, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it for the, uh, I'll say it for the outtakes. People would think like, oh, well go like go into the desert, find this temple and find the relic. Oh, that's going to be my sandbox adventure. Like that's actually a bad sandbox adventure. It's yes. actually a, it's actually a linear adventure. Yes. Right. Go like, don't search 20 like don't put the temple in one hex out of 50 yeah and be like find the temple no because that's like you're not letting them get to the monkey right you right exactly <laughs> if the goal of the adventure is to go to the temple and they have to cross a vast desert to do it that's one encounter yes <laughs> or two right yeah. like that's 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 a linear adventure like start in town go to desert Find temple. Yes. Now, from there, you can branch, right? Like, how do you get into the temple, right? And then, like, we can do all those other structures. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. But. So, cool. Uh, Otherwise, watch this. Ready? Watch this. Otherwise, when you do that, you just have players wandering around the hex, completely lost and no idea where to go. And when we talk about wandering around from hex to hex with no idea where to go, it must be time for us to end the show. So, Senda, before we go to the closing, tell me about one of the other shows on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yeah. On the Wednesday evening podcast, All Stars, or We Pass, are they, as they are sometimes called, Brett, Tom, Kevin, Chris, and Andy get together and play games that get edited down into an audio drama for your ear holes. Join this crew of all-star players as they create stories from the games you love. Like Avalon. Like Avalon. Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community for a very short time longer now TikTok, that those baby. emails have that gone thing out. Is, uh, what is it? April 2nd? Yeah, it's we're ticking down. They're starting to delete things like it's going I'm uh, I'm actually just going to post a message I think this week in both the encoded and the and my own personal page and be like I'm I'm leaving like I've like, left I'm come gone. find me on Twitter yeah I'm gone sorry yeah right yep so there's that and uh, if you prefer you can send us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com and Phil once they find us in one of those places including 
the Google with the self-destruct mechanism engaged. Uh, what can they do with that information? You should, by all means, send us your topics for shows. We love, love, love doing your topics, just like uh, GM Gerrymander did uh, and sent us the topic for tonight's show. Um, we love talking about the things that you want us to talk about. Uh, in the past, we used to be, you know, like, oh, send us a thing we could, you know, make points out of. But don't worry about it. I'll come up we'll with points. I'm pretty crafty. Mm-hmm. We're like closing in on 150 episodes. I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> um, so send us your topics. Um, try to keep them game related. But uh, if you pick a couple silly ones, like, you know, favorite kinds of pandas or whatever, like eventually those wind up in grab bag episodes. Yeah. Uh, and of course, of course. Um, if you need to know anything about the ditch lilies, we are um, so here to help you. We are literally the authoritative experts on all things ditch lilies. Yes. Like it's actually pretty crazy that we that we do a gaming podcast and not a ditch lilies podcast. I mean, it might as well. It, if you guys don't send us topics, this could turn into pandas talking a ditch, ditch lilies. lilies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, be careful. Uh, it might happen. Oof, right. Better send topics. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Be careful it might happen. I I believe that was a song on their second album. (laughs) Yeah, because she was totally in love with that girl who was the stagehand at the Iowa State Fair. And she wrote that song about it because it didn't quite happen. Right. Yeah. There was some heavy flirting. Some heavy flirting and some be careful it might happen. And then it didn't. And then there was like this sort of lovelorn song later about it not happening. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Anyway, send a, what's the other thing you can do besides sending us topics? <laughs> well, you can send us your table selfies. You should probably put them on Twitter because, like, it's hard to find them other places and Google's just gone. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe Tumblr will think it's porn. Maybe we should start a Tumblr for table selfies. What do you think? It's a bad idea. Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> you can take a picture of yourself playing the awesome game at the awesome table that you're playing it at. And we're going into convention season, so we super duper want to see them. Hashtag it table selfie posted in any one of the places that we've just mentioned. But if you put it on Twitter, I'll probably actually see it. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign patrons. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get all sorts of good things, get the bonus outtakes from this show. They get the um they get the after show from the Misdirected Mark Network. They get access to our Slack Room for Life, our Minecraft server. Uh, which has got some pretty cool peeps hanging on. It's we just brought bigger. Uh, it's getting much I know, bigger. Uh, I know. Uh, Brandon and Andy just joined. Yep. Like that. That's that's fun. Yes. Sh- uh, anyway. Schmitty was saying that was the most people that had ever been on their server. <laughs> I know it's fun. It's fun. Right? Like it's good times. I was just playing tonight before the recording of the show. Yeah. So, and I'll be on after the Mr. Mark show uh, tomorrow. So. Uh, anyway, other things you get, you get the occasional parody song, other weird things we make, and occasionally Encoded Designs just gives patrons games. <laughs> like, that happens. I forgot that I had um, a song. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we like to do those things. We also like to shout out thanks to our patrons. We do a couple each week. Um, do you want to roll through these? Sure. Thomas Bagley, the Minister of Overly Pedantic Wombats. Thank you so much. We want to know. What happened that made you the minister and why the wombats are pedantic? Um, Overly. Overly pedantic, yes. Mike Emmer, thank you so much. And Drew Smith, the secret weapon of misdirected Mark. Thank you so much. (laughs) Hey, if you're already supporting the Patreon or unable to support the Patreon, what's a thing that you could do that makes a panda so 
Ooh, very happy. Yeah, like happier than being green, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, what's that? You could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcast or the podcatcher of your choice, but if you leave it somewhere else or in a different country, let us know, please, because we really, really love reading them because they make us like super duper happy. I just discovered a couple on Podchaser the other day, and I was really excited about them. They've no, been there tell me about for that. like a while. I'll go find them and share them with you, but they've been there for like a while, and I didn't know they were there, but like uh, because there's no real good way to round them all up from all of the places all the time, and we want to see them and say thank you. So thank you so much to everybody who has already left us a review. If you haven't, pretty, 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 please go leave us a review. Right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. (laughs) Anyway, so Phil, show me what goal you're going to use for your next mission of Long Live the Queen. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a good one. This is a... This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. And here we I are. I bet we started not at all at the same time. Do we have to do it again? No, it's okay. We, we're back and forth in our conversation well enough. I think I'll be able to time it out. Oh, boy. You did not clicky properly. Did you flinch? No, I didn't flinch. You messed me up. In ter- I didn't count like in a regular staggered way. But I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm unaware of whatever. Everyone knows that you're an instigator. True. Yes. True. There. But you can't. But there's no proof. So because <laughs> we hadn't hit record yet. Bloop. So I mean, they left the dice jar out on the on. They left the dice jar sitting on a chair without the top on it. Ooh. Which. So here's the thing: when my son was little, he had a thing about you know fascination with my um, RPG dice. Yes, yeah, like you do. Of right, but I have you know curated sets of RPG dice that you know right. I'm very twitchy about. So. Right. As as I do, right? right? I mean, <laughs> so, and as I do, also like, <laughs> right? So so what I did was I gave him this glass jar, um, this glass jar full of like all my scrubs, right? The right? ones like all my like the ones you don't want to use. They're that don't right. fit the sets. They don't fit the color scheme. It, they're right. They're mismatched. They don't fit the color scheme. They're like stuff from the eighties, whatever. Yeah, not my original dice. I still have my original D and D dice, or which ones are left. Um, tucked away um I, I mean i put it i lost a couple i put one in the um gary gygax memorial oh i mean that's a good that's a good place to put it yeah um so anyway anyway the dice jar is is i, I picked it up to put it back on the shelf and it's like not even half full anymore it's like maybe like a Ooh. quarter full <laughs> Which which means that in like the last ten something, twelve something years, those dice They're just hidden around the basement like Easter eggs. <laughs> they're somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like they're somewhere, somewhere gone. Like, I don't know. I think that someday when everybody moves out of this house, the next owners will find like all these like weird polyhedrals, <laughs> like all over the place i'm telling you easter eggs i know (laughs) i really i i don't know where they have gone over the years like i i gave that jar to the kids when it was like full 
and it is like nearly That's empty. That's a lot and I'm of like, dice. It is. I mean, it's not like, I mean, and it's not, I didn't replenish it. So just over the years, it is gradually depleted, depleted. Like, I'm sure they're in drawers and under things and like whatever, but it's like, it's kind of freaky. Like they've, it's a lot of dice that are now missing. Gone. Or like you would think you have, by the number of dice, I would have stepped on some of them by right, now, I'm, but no. Yeah. I mean, or you have house elves that steal your dice. I have house elves that are playing games or stuff. Yeah, they're playing RPGs. They just, they can't, right, they can't open, they can open the jar, but they can't open the plastic contain, the, the, what you call it, the little plastic boxes that I keep my sets in. Yeah, well, uh, plastic is, you know, poisonous to house elves. Oh, that's probably. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how you store your old dice, but like all my old dice are in these like um, small plastic containers with each set as a inside its own container you're very organized my old dice what happens is i get a new dice bag this is this is actually the history of how senda's dice evolve so i get a new dice bag and then i transfer my favorite dice out of the old dice bag into the new dice bag and the old dice stay in the old dice bag and then i acquire more dice as my bag is no longer full and so like there's just all these like half full but yeah i so i have i have these I'm with different you. color schemes, right? Like I'm like, well, these purple ones don't really match how this I'm pouch. moving. Yes. So like they're gonna go they're not gonna move into this pouch. Yeah. No. Bloop. I'm picky anyway. and anal about those things. We should well, do that's a show. Okay. Though. It's dice. It's dice. And we should do a show because otherwise I'm gonna finish a butterfly. Yeah, are you are you are you folding things? <laughs> it doesn't Aww. really look like a butterfly yet. It's a nice blob of paper. I know, I'm H. Mini a butterfly, but he forgot it. (laughs) (laughs) You can bring it to breakout. I know. So did I tell you this story? Here's the last story before we start recording. Okay. I was like, I'm really enjoying this origami thing. I think I should order some paper on Amazon so that I have a bunch more paper. I know this story, but go ahead, finish it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm doing it a lot, so I should probably, like, get a big thing of it. Cool. So I didn't, like, register for some reason... (laughs) what 500 sheets of paper might look like 500 sheets of origami paper is 500 origami projects yeah (laughs) it's a it's a lot it's not like and and in my head i was just thinking i would like something slightly bigger than a normal pack this is like three inches of origami paper (laughs) it's It's very large it's very large so i'm like maybe i should just bring it with me to break out and like if other people want to also make origami that's cool or otherwise I'll i think just, you like, could i think you could still just bring an inch of it with you and you would right st- i won't bring the entirety of it with me but like and then i could bring it i'm like i could just hand people butterflies yeah we'd have to declare it or something when we came across the border if you bring them a origami paper into <laughs> canada really <laughs> no not really <laughs> i was like what <laughs> they got strict they got strict origami strict origami laws yeah. Yeah, that's Canadian. Unless you can fold a maple leaf. If you could fold a maple leaf, then we could totally get in. Like, Okay, well, maybe I need to learn that before I go. <laughs> All right, like, we got to do the o- show. I We're know. Getting... The only one I can do by memory is butterflies, so. Okay. They're not the crappy butterflies, though. They're the pretty ones. You should learn TIE Fighters. Ooh. You should learn. I'm sure there is. I guarantee you. I know if I type it into Google, I will find it. Star Wars Origami. 
Uh-huh. Guarantee you there's like an X-Wing one and a TIE Fighter one. That seems complicated. I should do that. <laughs> yeah, now that I've completed the art installation over my desk at work. Yes. <laughs> With all the butterflies. Bloop. All right. I'm going to meow. Okay. Meow. Meow. Bloop. You want to talk about sandboxes versus linear game at blint? What? you can either do the next line or we can stop right now what it's a branching oh i was like no you're doing the next line it's in black otherwise otherwise it's a linear Otherwise, it's just a linear one. Not well, a this branch. is a script. So That's it's very definitely meta. linear. It'll be good when people listen to this at the end. That'll be hysterical. <laughs> I'm glad that you I'll feel that way about it. You do the thing. I'll do the thing. Ready? Okay. Butterfly flying through the air. I'm sorry. Do the thing. Bloop. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your non-origami folding host. And your name is? <laughs> Guess. <laughs> Let's like try you didn't again. finish the sentence. <laughs> Let's try it again. That one's on me. That's my bad. I mean, it's fair to assume, but what if there are new people? <laughs> That's possible. Yeah. They might not figure it out, yes. but anyway. Okay, good. Bloop. I don't know. Green panda sounds like it might be not feeling very well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The way of way of the green panda could be like a martial arts sort style. Of, sort though. of like, like the like, drunken something. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Way of the green panda. Like too much bamboo. I've eaten too much bamboo <laughs> and I'm fighting you now. Bloop. I almost said earballs. Oh, boy. <laughs> It's late into the it's late into the recording yeah. for you to get all ear balls ear on balls. this. Carry on. Carry on. Phil Carry on Phil <laughs> I still know all the words to that song. Yes, I do. I love it. <laughs> all right. Bloop. Insta. Let's do Insta as my as the as the youth say, <laughs> put it up on Insta. <coughs> Kids these days and their instas. Or TikTok. Put it up on TikTok. What the hell is TikTok? Oh, it makes like 15 minute, 15 second videos or something. I don't know. It's, it's in my Vine, Facebook feed. It's the Vine replacement? It's something like that. I asked Dante. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, of course I know what TikTok is, dad. And I was like, oh, old. <laughs> I don't know. Put it on the TikTok. Put it the on the TikTok. TikTok. Something about, I don't understand how Snapchat works, so I don't understand if that would work. Anyway, so you should send us your table selfies. <laughs> Snapchat had one purpose that kids have co-opted. It's still for one thing, which is sending pictures of your junk. <laughs> that delete themselves, that, yeah. Yeah, that's the whole the whole model of Snapchat is literally I'm gonna send you my genitalia. This is a system that's supposed to combat it, which it really can't because of screen caps and stuff. But anyway, whatever. Besides that, it doesn't really delete them, it just puts them into a giant bin. Like yeah. the just just like just like how those DNA companies right. like, They're like, aren't oh, giving your sequences I'm, off to the government. I'm very we're very conscientious about your privacy of your DNA sequence. We, we made the FBI ask really nicely yes. before we handed <laughs> that database. They were very nice and they bought us a coffee. Right. 
Anyway, <laughs> table self table selfies. What's that? <laughs> you can take a picture of yourself. <laughs> wow. Bloop. Thomas, is it Bagley or Bigley? I think it's Bagley. All right, sure, Bagley. Thomas, the famous Baglians. The bag, the Bilbo Baglians. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Nothing but trouble and adventuring from the from the Bagleys. From the, from the Bagleys yes. yes. They're one of those like strange families that lives down Bagshot Row. Um, <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> Thomas is the minister of overly pendactic wombats, which no, I feel like no, needs a story. It does, but they're pedantic. Pedantic. What did I say? Pen, I pen, said it wrong, right? Or cut something. that. <laughs> right, cut that. Okay, we're trying one more Pandemic. time. Pandemic. Pandemic wombats. wombats. <laughs> yeah, show me what you got. 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 My dice bring all the gamers to the yard. Because my, my <laughs> dice are better than yours. My dice. Oh, that's a song parody. That's, that's a song parody in the making. Yes. Bloop. 55 minutes. Yeah. Not terrible. Not great. Do you want me to sing the song? No, I want you to save it for next week when we're going to do the show again. Okay. Oh, 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 yeah. We're doing it next week, huh? <laughs> yeah, we do the show every week. <laughs> okay, so I guess we should stop now. Okay. You want to say goodbye? Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>